Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with pianist John Offercook. Listening to San Diego Sessions, San Diego's jazz podcast, featuring local artists, new releases, and more. Here are your hosts, Ian Tordella and Ed Kornhauser. And welcome to San Diego Sessions, brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. We're actually here on location at an undisclosed studio in La Mesa, a.k.a. Danny Green's living room. And we're going to feature some special live performance on his Steinway later in the podcast. Uh, But again, we're here today with pianist and composer John Offercook. Welcome, John. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for coming down. No problem. Yeah. So in in real time, this is immediately following last week's episode, but in podcast land, this is a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Danny was gracious enough to let us record here on his on his gorgeous 1948 Steinway. Awesome. Um, yeah. This will be terrific. And before we get into it, I have some pressing questions, some issues to address with Ed Kornhauser. Well, I knock my phone on the floor. Well, he knocks his phone on the floor. This is our segment called This Versus That. A.K.A. inane banter. Uh, Bant away. (laughs) All right. These are two musicians, and Ed's going to have to pick one. So these are all kind of ridiculous today. Uh, We'll start with an organ player. First up, uh, Philadelphia organist Joey DeFrancesco versus uh, Filipino prodigy Joey Alexander. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that before. I just thought of that pun just now. That's a good one, actually. Uh, I mean, I love Joey DeFrancesco. I mean, he's a beast, and I love the organ and the way that guys like that can make that thing to sing and wail. But Joey's doing such amazing stuff, and he's so young, and he's got such a, he's got such a like depth and maturity to his 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 playing, and like I want to see where he goes. So I'm going to go with Joey Alexander. Right on. Of course. Uh, Joey DeFrancesco has been doing it for quite a long time oh, he's too. A, he's he's a barely beast. older than me. So. Uh, the first time, <laughs> the first time I saw Joey DeFrancesco, I've seen him two or three times. He was playing with Jimmy Smith, so I got to see Jimmy one time. So. He, Jimmy died a month after that, but I got to see him one time, and it was it was a killer performance. Did they have like five Leslie cabinets? Because I know Jimmy liked to play with two Leslie cabinets for himself. I wasn't as hip to the to the to the ins and outs of organ at the time not that i'm that hip now but i certainly wasn't then so i i just was blown away i don't remember what the setup was i wasn't as gear gear nerdy back then all right next up uh flute player tenor saxophonist and arranger frank west versus um hip-hop icon kanye west Wow. <laughs> I just had to since he's been in the news lately. Well, he's always in the news. Oh. People can stop talking about Frank West. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Um, I'm sure currently Kanye West is influencing uh, so much in the world, but uh, for my own personal taste, I'm going to go Frank West. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Although I I recognize that Kanye's influence on a global scale is far more than one jazz musician. Basically, each week's this versus that is just a little bit worse than last week's. So. Yeah, we're just ratcheting <laughs> so it on down. On that note, <laughs> we have another another pun, of course. Of course. Um, and John, feel free to jump in. Okay. Iconic alto saxophonist and uh, was a mentor to our own Christopher Holiday, Jackie McLean, versus uh, piano player John Arthur Jackie Byard, who worked with uh, Charles Ooh, McPherson, that's a good one. among others. I took a couple lessons with Jackie Byard, so boy, I'm not gonna. I, I I can't call that one. That's those are both giant cats right there. So. Yeah, it's a tough one. I would jump in. I would go for Jackie Byard myself. I, not just because I'm a pianist, not just because you studied with him. I I've always loved his playing, and I loved mm-hmm. how he he was such a scholar of of like early jazz piano and stride. Right. And like he could do, I saw a cool video of him once, like imitating, like this is how this person would play it, mm-hmm. this is how this person would play it, naming specific, you know, giants of stride piano. And then he was, of course, a very modern player and, and mm-hmm. could stretch out. And the way he would marry those two yeah. was so cool. Like he really epitomized a lot of just the totality of jazz mm-hmm. and how much, you know, jazz is a very wide umbrella term encompassing so many different styles of music. And he seemed to have so much of it in him. And um, yeah, he's a great, great mm-hmm. player and, yeah. and passed away under really sad circumstances, I believe. Yeah, he, what happened? I forget. He was murdered. Murdered. And, they, and I believe they never have, they have not solved it. He was shot in his home. By somebody like who came to the door, but they never they never solved the murder. Wow, Just nobody knows. It's a real shame. <laughs> that that yeah. with that cliffhanger mystery, uh, we're gonna <laughs> end end this week's installment. But we're gonna get into a tune. This is from John's record, The Kennedy Files, and this first tune is called Cuba Libre.
And we're back on San Diego Sessions. Our guest today is John Offercook, and that was a song called Cuba Libre uh, off his record, The Kennedy Files, which you can find on the venerable Striving to Break Even Records, SBE Records. That's Peter Sprague's label, correct? That's right. Yeah, and we also heard Peter Sprague on there on guitar, Tommy Eros on percussion, Duncan Moore on drums. And uh, I believe the... David Enos Enos on bass. bass. I was saying he was the one musician of the lot that I'm not familiar with. Right. Um, Does he live in L.A.? L.A. Okay. Yeah. How did you connect up with... uh, I know because you're a a San Diego... Right. I lived... I was in L.A. for a few years, uh, kind of 92 to about 96-ish. And uh, so we played together a few times up there and, you know, he blew me away. So when I did my record, I thought, well, I'd like to have him down and, and play, so... So where and when was this uh, recorded? Uh, at Peter Sprague's uh, studio in um, 03, 2003. Yeah. And uh, and he had, he was he both guitar playing and engineering on it as well? He was actually. So he would, he would hit go and, and, and play in the, uh, in the control booth and, you know, yeah, amazing. It's always amazing. Yeah. He's got, he's got such big ears and he hears so much. Yeah, when he when he when he when he plays and having him there is actually on guitar. He's a great engineer. Like as, as I think, Ian would also have this quality as well because he's a music, he's a great musician himself. Sure. Yeah. Not, so it really it really helps to have him there. Yeah, and I I really at the time I was I was playing a lot with Peter, and um, so to me it was sort of like uh, a Peter Sprague record with my tunes. It was kind of how I thought of it, hmm. to be honest, and um, so. Uh, I think it really features him great. You know, I love how he plays on it. And, you know, that, that to me was the part I liked the most about it was that the tunes I wrote, I think, or came out nicely and, and he sounds, he just shines on them. So, um, so I was really, really happy with that. And, uh, you composed all the, all the pieces on this record, I believe. That's right. Did you compose them specifically for this or the were tunes you had written over many years? And Most of them I wrote for it over like, I don't know, a couple months or something. I was, I decided I was going to do this and I wrote with just, bang up tunes and uh well there's one i think that's older that bda blues hmm. i wrote that probably in like 90 i wrote wrote it during the gulf war actually bda stands for bomb damage assessment oh god and it was just it's actually i was just bumming with that going on so i, I wrote that i remember i remember those years it's it's weird the gulf war is my earliest like memory yeah. that i could associate not just a personal memory it's like the earliest memory of me right. being aware of the outside world right well for me it was like vietnam i was probably about yeah i'm a little older yeah <laughs> but it's a weird it's a weird thing that yeah I, I can remember that yeah so so is this record part of that string of records when uh bob magnuson did liquid lines and trip did his recording trip sprague and uh there was about four or five yeah. Sprayland records. Yeah, right there were the a bunch right around there. Now it wasn't really organized with those folks. No, it just sort of happened. It, it was a it was a good time for me to do it, and um, that just was coincidental. I think. Yeah. Was this your first record as a as a leader? Yeah, first and only. Huh. Actually, that's well, a great. So I, it's a great record. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I always joke. I'll I'll make my next one when I finish spending the money I made on the first one. Right. But uh, <laughs> but. Uh, and that's why they call it SBE. Yeah, that's right. Striving, yeah. <laughs> striving to break even. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm, happy, I'm very happy with it. And every year I go, oh god, this is the year I'm going to write another set of tunes. And and uh, but uh, I'm getting there. I've actually got a pretty good slate of new ones. So um, yeah, yeah it's, and compositionally, it's it's a very diverse 
record too. Like, who are some of your some of your influences as a as a composer? Oh, for for jazz writing jazz tunes, yeah, that's a good. It's a good question. Um, compositionally, you know, I love Monk, um, like melodic jazz tunes, like Jarrett's tunes to me are really interesting. And then harmonically, I really like pivot point kind of shifting harmony a la Schubert, if you know what I mean. So I kind of try to combine those things. Like I like, I like interesting shifts around a pivot for harmony and um, like it, you know, uh, can I? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to say uh, that's see. kind of the So best. like at the end of that, of uh, so at the end of this one, one, one of my tunes, there's a little moment where it kind of goes, um, I got to remember how it's sort of like this. And then, uh, so going from that kind of D flat to an A kind of thing, you know, just pivoting around a C sharp, you know, kind of thing. So, um, oh that, yeah, keeping the C sharp kind of the, in the C base. sharp is the constant, and then you just then you just suddenly go from D flat major to A major. Oh yeah, and but it works, you know. So I, I love those kind of sounds, you know. I love that too. Um, yeah, that and, that and like. And like lots of like simple little like movement where you're only moving the bass note like yeah. a little bit, but you can change the sure. harmony or keeping that pedal point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love like voice leading kind of stuff like um, more than voicings per se or whatever. You know, that's like I kind of like to think that way. Yeah. Um, wow. I feel like I'm on marrying McPartland's piano. Yeah, yes. I know. No, it's yeah. awesome. I, mean, I, need a, I, need a, I need a light little very, I need a light little British accent right now. Oh, yeah. And then you get then you get schooled by Marion McPartland, who's, you know, just amazing. Yeah. She was incredible. Yeah. yeah, what a great what a great thing she did. Like she had that show for like what 30, 40 years. Oh yeah. Then high school, I used to listen to that all, all the time. It was very because you know where I grew up, it wasn't well. I mean, you could hear certainly music, but but I was exposed to a lot of people through that show. Yeah, it was great. Oh. So for this record, what was the significance of the title, The Kennedy Five? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so a lot of folks in town call me Kennedy. Of guys of my generation more because you're uh, from Massachusetts because or? I'm from Massachusetts and I, I have this sort of Irish kind of look, appearance and when I was younger I actually looked a little bit JFK-ish and so the, the origin of it is I was playing when I, I went to school at, at, in New Haven at Yale and, and we were doing a gig in Bridgeport, Connecticut <laughs> it was like I don't know it was like four in the afternoon and we're doing this gig and there was a DJ and we were I was playing with some, some guys some guys from the from New Haven and the DJ turns around, he introduces the band and Wayne Boyd on guitar and his brother on bass. And he looks at me and he goes, and on keyboards, Kennedy. I had my jacket on, you know. Anyway, so that, that sort of started the whole <laughs> thing. That, 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 that sort of became my, my nickname a, a little bit. But so I just, it was really just as a, as just, it was just a funny title. And uh, it sort of ties into with that Cuba Libre tune. I thought that was kind of an interesting connection between Kennedy and Cuba, you know. So it was kind of just, but there's no real deep meaning to it. Yeah. So, did you get to rehearse much with the band or no. the tunes? Or oh, really? You no. We, in cold. fact, a lot of it was uh, we would we, and, and I tried to make the tunes deliberately like one or two pages. You know, there's a couple of exceptions that are a little more involved. But I do that too. Yeah, I don't like to have yeah. like long drawn out. You yeah, know, I'm not. Novels. I'm not a fan. I mean, think about the tunes we all love to play, right? How many of them are on two pages? Hmm. You know. Like zero, maybe yeah. one, you know, Pensativa maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, so I deliberately did that and, and tried to leave it open to interpretation, you know, so we just basically came in, read through once and, and just started tape, doing takes. So a couple of them are basically the first take, I think. Wow. 
some of them took longer, you know, but, but yeah, so it was pretty, pretty quick actually. I think we did it all in a couple of afternoons. Or something. Oh, I was going to yeah. ask if it was a few yeah. days. That's great. Like yeah. great vehicles for improvisation. The chords and structures are, are really nice. And, yeah. Thanks. And it's a very diverse record in terms of like vibes and feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was deliberate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of harmonic pivots, we're going to go from John's record to a live tune and we borrowed Danny Green's 1948 Steinway here. Um, uh, what are we going to hear today? Uh, this is a little jazz waltz I wrote recently called Swans. Yeah, it's it's, it's a pretty simple little tune, and see see what I can do. This is your swan song. This is, it's my swan song. Yeah, I'm not not hopefully not. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was wonderful. That was Thanks. really cool. Yeah. Um, that's a gorgeous melody. I love how, you know, it has that simple sort of a lilty sort of a waltz feel, right. but then the melody is kind of angular. It gets into some really like cool harmonic grit. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. And I love the little the little gospel nod. The boom, yes. boom, boom, doom. Just, yeah, just and how you kind of slowed it down at every part that that happened. Yeah, yeah. Have you performed this live with a trio before or a group rather? Yeah, I have a couple times. Yeah. Nice. It's I a, have, yeah. It's a it's a really cool tune. It's moody, but like it's it's got a nice it's lilt to it. I like. Oh, thanks. It. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like reminds me. Of, I I, just, I always think of like um, what's that? What's that? Uh, you know, <laughs> what's that tune? You know. Uh, uh, oh boy. One. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I'm blanking too. Or like Kurt Vile or something. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. It's kind of almost like uh, yeah. I, I enjoy it because your tune is sort of deceptively simple, but you snuck a lot of different harmony and chromaticism. Yeah, it's a little baked, tricky, actually. I still, I'm still, i still not quite nailed down on soloing on it, but uh, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's fun. It's a fun little tune to play. Yeah. That's a great part of jazz is you get to write tunes that you can't play yourself. You can't play, I well, do that's, that. that's like pretty yeah. much all of my tunes. Yeah, I write stuff that's a little over my head. But, uh, it pushes you, and, and, yeah. and, and you throw it at some guys, and sometimes you can oh, get yeah. some cool things happening. Cool. Yeah, it's cool to hear people you know, you know, great players here play. Yeah. I've had a few really great players play like, you know, here and there and it's fun to hear what they do with them. It's like, wow. Well, we're going to get into another tune from John's Kennedy files record. And this one's called Amerique. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, And you can check out more of John's music, get it on iTunes or buy a copy of the disc on CD baby, or I believe it's even on Spotify for the streamers out there. Yeah, so we're going to hear this one, and this will take us into the jazz calendar and then our station identification. This is San Diego Sessions, your inside perspective on the San Diego jazz scene. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com.
Joe, and here's your jazz forecast. As always, here are the regular happenings. On Mondays, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular jam session at Rosie O'Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover, and it's 21 and up. On Tuesdays, the Havana Jam, an Afro-Cuban and Latin jazz jam session, is at Prohibition from 8 p.m. to midnight. On Wednesdays, Gilbert Castellanos hosts his long-standing Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66 in Balboa Park. Music is from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to see the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around San Diego. On Thursdays, there's a jam session at the Ken Club, hosted by saxophonists Robert Dove and Ian Buss. Music is from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. $5 cover, but musicians get in free. You must be 21 or older. On Fridays, flutist Holly Hoffman presents Jazz Happy Hour at the Handlery Hotel in Hotel Circle from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover and your parking is validated. Friday, June 15th, vocalist Coral McFarland Tewitt will be joined by pianist Irving Flores and bassist Rob Thorson. The following Friday, June 22nd, guitarist Larry Coons and bassist Dark Oles play duo. Also on Fridays, Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11 p.m. Here are some jazz highlights for the coming weeks. Tuesday, June 12th, KSDS presents Jazz Live with bassist Luther Hughes and the Cannonball Coltrane Project at the Seville Theater on the City College campus. Music begins at 8 p.m. If you're a Jazz 88 member, you can reserve up to two free tickets online. If not, you can call 619-388-3301 and order tickets. Jazz Live is a monthly live radio broadcast with a live audience. If you can't make it, listen from home on Jazz 88.3 FM. Wednesday, June 13th. West Coast vibraphonist Anthony Smith teams with his good friend, East Coast Vibes legend Tony Maselli, to play at Dizzy's with Rob Thorson on bass and Fernando Gomez on drums. 8 p.m. and cover is $20. Also that night, saxophonist Charlie Arbeleas plays at 7 grand from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., featuring Ed Kornhauser on organ and Charlie Weller on drums. Thursday, June 15th, vocalist Lorraine Castellanos and friends play at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Later that night, bassist Dave Marr brings his trio to Dizzy's at 8 p.m. with Bob Weller on piano and Danny Campbell on drums. Cover is $20. Saturday, June 16th, alto saxophonist Vincent Herring performs at the Athenaeum Music and Arts Library in La Jolla, featuring pianist David Kukowski, bassist Yasushi Nakamura, and drummer Carl Allen. Music starts at 7.30 p.m. Tickets available online. Also that night, at Dizzy's, a salute to the life and music of the late, great Clifford Brown with Matt Hall on trombone, Charlie Arbeleas on saxophone, Jason Chatil on piano, Antar Martin on bass, and Johnny Steele on drums. The music kicks off at 8 p.m. Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Wednesday, June 20th, trombonist Matt Hall brings his group to seven grand at 10 p.m. No cover, but you must be 21 or older. Thursday, June 21st, vocalist Leonard Patton performs for the Sunset Poolside Jazz Series at the Westgate Hotel downtown. 
Music from 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. No cover, but there's a $25 food and drink minimum. Drummer Thomas Stronin returns to the Athenaeum Music and Arts Library in La Jolla, featuring his quintet, Time is a Blind Guide. Music starts at 7.30 p.m. Friday, June 22nd. Jazz, blues vocalist, and guitarist Robin Henkel brings his band with horns to Dizzy's at 8 p.m., featuring Steve Ebner on trumpet, Dave Castell de Oro on tenor and clarinet, Troy Jennings on baritone, Jody Hill on bass, and Matthew Taylor on drums. Cover is $15. Drummer Matthew Smith plays at Panama 66 with saxophonist Rob Dove and bassist Tamir Kadem from 6 to 7.50 p.m., Alto saxophone virtuoso Christopher Holliday is joined by trombonist Matt Hall for a bebop extravaganza at Dizzy's at 8 p.m. Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Flutist Bradley Layton plays at Northern Spirits in San Marcos with pianist Rob Whitlock, Nathan Brown on bass, and Russell Bizet on drums. Music kicks off at 7.30. Also in North County, pianist Mikon Zlakovich and his trio plays at Wildwood and Vista at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, June 24th. Tim Felton and crew host their monthly funk jam at Panama 66 in Balboa Park from 6 to 8 p.m. Check out Sundays in the Park on Facebook to see a song list and sign up. Later that evening, guitarist and vocalist Steph Johnson and bassist Rob Thorson play at the Turf Summer Club from 8 to 11 p.m. No cover and you must be 21 or older. And we're back on San Diego Sessions. Our guest is John Offercook, and we heard him playing live his new composition, Swans, and then we heard the tune, Amarique. Uh, and again, we're coming to you from an undisclosed location in La Mesa, California. We are almost live from Studio Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hear some extras, see some extras, watch a little bit of video from the, our sessions here, you can follow us on Instagram at San Diego Sessions Podcast. And uh, as always, uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a little, uh, give us a subscriber, you know, maybe leave a nice review if you like us. And, you know, if you don't, just stay away. Stay away from that, you know, subscribe button. Stay away from that review button. Just, you know, send me seething uh, vitriolic hate mail to, to my address, which you have to find on your own. That's the challenge. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you have any comments, drop us an email sdsessionspodcast at gmail.com and without further ado it's time for our favorite segment of the week the san diego seven with ed kornhauser yes this is the san diego seven these are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head and the bottom of your heart (laughs) okay uh number one coffee or tea oh coffee yeah Except, I agreed. Lots and lots of coffee. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm an addict. I uh, made a pop this morning. It's still not enough. That's right. Uh, number two. What was your first instrument? Uh, home organ. 70s home cheese oh, yeah. ball uh, Baldwin organ. Those were so popular back in the oh day. Oh my God, it was awful. And now they just litter thrift stores around yeah. the country. Oh, yeah. It's awful. <laughs> They're garbage. There's so many bad ones. What I used to love, but it was... It was it was, this is like, oh, geez, 70, uh, I'm aging myself, 73 maybe. And it had a little rhythm box, you know, in it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I, what I would like to do is push all the, as many buttons as I could at once. So you'd get like cha-cha plus waltz plus rumba. Oh, you can put them at the oh, same yeah. time? I think it was probably like a tape 
in there or something. Oh, so wow. you could get like, boom, 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 you know, just like get like three, four things going at once. I, I remember I've messed around on them before and it was only like you would set it to like Foxtrot and then if you right. hit the cha-cha, the Foxtrot would go up and you'd right. lose that. Oh, that's neat. Right. Yeah, those things were, <laughs> they're pretty special. But unfortunately, I missed all the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, um, you know. I missed that whole that whole loop. I was playing like you know, uh, uh, polkas and stuff for a few years when I was a kid. And then, oh, that's perfect. And that's then, great. Uh, it's very East Coast too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So not Fiorelli's. It was Pennsylvania polka. It was all the way. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Number three, can you say the alternative name of Webster Lake or Lake Webster? Webster Lake, Webster Lake? Is no, it, no, is no, it? no, 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 no. It's near. I, I looked it up. Uh, it's near. It's near um, um, Bridgewater. Oh, Lake Nipponicket. Nipponicket. The Nip. No, oh, that was maybe it's the same lake. It has many names, but one of which is one of the longest place names in America. Or it is the longest place name in America. Oh wow! You know, you have you heard about this lake? It's it's spelled. I here. I looked up a video. This is apparently how you. This is pronounced. <laughs> I won't say it. Lake Chargagagog Manchowgagog Chowbunagungamaug. Wow. You've never heard of this? I've never heard of that. That's it's so cool. It's colloquially known as Webster Lake, but apparently it's an Algonquin name. Okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, I, sorry, I just thought... Oh, no, that's awesome. It was a random bit of trivia from uh, somewhere around there. Yeah, well, that, yeah, there's a lot of interesting Indian Native American uh, names back there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Number six. Number four. Uh, this is back to your album title. Who Killed JFK? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're gonna settle it right now <laughs> uh the smoking man oh right right of course yeah yeah i think we talked about this on another podcast episode but you know that there's an actual and it's not saying it's true i'm just saying it's a real conspiracy theory that woody harrelson's dad was involved i've heard this yeah because he, he was one of the guys on the on the grassy knoll or something yeah because yeah, he was an actual contract killer he's he went to jail for it and yeah probably is dead now mm -hmm. um but there was some speculation that he was in Dallas at the time. Interesting. I mean, I'm not saying anything. It's true. I'm just saying it's a real right. thing that people on the internet talk yeah, about. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just saying right. it's you just know. something a bunch of crackpots on the internet talk about. That's all. That's what I'm Isn't saying. Isn't that the entire internet? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Number five. Has your musical taste changed over time, or do you still find yourself drawn to a lot of the same sounds that caught your attention as a kid? Organ oh. polka aside. Yeah, well, yeah, leave that. Well, that never caught my ear, honestly. Um, <laughs> no, it's interesting. Um, I think it's definitely changed a lot. Like, um, And it's interesting because it's changed back to the stuff that I first, my okay, my very first exposure to jazz was, uh, you know, through friend, a friend of mine in high school, and he, he mentioned a few names of of, uh, of folks. And I, so I went to the library and I found like, uh, you know, this is back when you had to go to the library to, to find music you didn't know. So it was like uh, the the uh, the early Bill Evans stuff and and Miles Davis working and steaming. Uh, that was a huge influence and and that stuff. And then as I went along in high school, this is in the seventies. You know, I kind of got seduced into the fusion stuff. You know, and and um, you know the Chikoria stuff and Weather Report and that kind of thing, and uh, some of which I still really like, but. But now that I, as I get older, I really like the the older stuff that's that's really got a, a a very unique sound as opposed to just virtuosity or whatever. Like like to me, that's why the Bill Evans stuff sounds so amazing because 
of his sound, you know, and, and, uh, the same with the miles stuff, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not about just the, the proficiency of the players or the compositions. It's just the beauty of it, you know, and, and, or Jarrett to me is a lot like that's what Jarrett's all about really. So those guys really are the people I still, I come back to, you know, I can hear a lot of, a lot of Keith Jarrett's influence. Oh yeah. I love your play. Yeah. Yeah. I always have. Yeah. Mine too, yeah, and definitely. not and not not uh, and not the Colin concert, Jarrett, like the facing you, Jarrett, you know, right, like, you know, uh, I love that stuff. Yeah, he's just he's got guys, and Paul Blay actually, who's mm. is like you know sort of the precursor. Yeah, number six, and uh, <laughs> going back to Massachusetts again on yeah. this. This is a this versus that kind of like the beginning. Okay, this yeah. versus that. Tory Pines versus Purgatory Chasm. Well, I've never played Purgatory Chasm. I didn't, I, I, I uh, yeah, background, I, I'm really into golf. So uh, I did not play golf until I hit like 40, early 40s. So I didn't play when I was a kid. Uh, so I haven't played there, but I'm going to check it out now. Actually, I don't think it's a golf course. I just think, I meant, I guess I should have said Torrey Pines State Reserve versus. Oh, uh, see, see, I think yeah. golf. You say Torrey Pines. I know, that's you true. You say Torrey, no, I that's golf. true. Yeah. I should have thought that because that's a huge golf course. It's a worldwide famous oh, golf yeah, yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. I should have thought about oh, that. Oh, no, no, that's cool. I just think about the, Nate, Purgatory Chasm is out near, I don't know, it's near the Rhode Island border, but. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Boy, this is cool. All it's this, a na- all this southern New England stuff I I've, don't know about. I, I have actually been to these. No, I haven't been to Lake whatever, but I've been to Purgatory Castle. The Nip. Well, then there's the Nip, which is a big lake where I grew up. Yeah. I is- think I think they're probably fairly close to each other. Yeah. 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 All right. Number seven, and this is a free association thing. Okay. Answer. Take this however you want. Yes. No. Expound. Okay. Gallagher. The comedian. I use that term loosely, but yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Well, all I know is I read there was a, I'm pretty sure it was him. There was a review of a performance of his that was the most scathing, funny review I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And yeah, it was from a, I think he did a show in Orange County, and he was doing some kind of stuff that was it was pretty denigrating to Latinos or something. And oh, it was, yeah, I have and, heard and that. the review was, I mean, you got to find, I don't, you, know, you could probably find it online. It's unbelievable. Wow. It's like the greatest bad review in the history of, of bad reviews. They did what to him, what he does to watermelons. Yes, exactly. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I do. I'll meant suddenly you mentioned that and suddenly that memory came back to me about like him saying some really, yeah, really problematic. It stuff. might've been during the prop, whatever it was days in the nineties. Uh, you know? I, I had forgotten about that. All I could remember was the watermelons and the crazy yeah. hair. And then you mentioned that. I'm like, Oh wait, yeah, <laughs> I did hear about that. I totally had forgotten. That's funny. Ugh, what, a, what a guy. And that was the San Diego seven featuring Edward Kornhauser and John Offercook. Um, but once again, John, thank you so much for coming on the show and playing for us. Oh, of course. Yeah, it was a blast. Yeah. And we would like to give a huge thank you to our host, pianist, and composer, Danny Green, dannygreen.net, for letting us borrow his uh, studio here. And we're going to take it out with one more tune off the Kennedy Files, and this is BDA Blues.
Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. <laughs>